like uh, Nirvana, uh, you can trace a lot of Nirvana. If you listen to it, it's just like this lot of surf rock kind oh, of background, yeah. you know? It's just like really heavy surf rock. Yeah, yeah. totally. Which I'm totally, I, was, I still listen to surf yeah, rock. Yeah, <laughs> I was never into surf rock as much. Uh, and yeah. I was just never like, I was like, oh, Nirvana's good. I was never like. Yeah, so. I, they're just so aggressive. Some Very music, aggressive. I love that. So. Well, speaking of uh, bands and brands. Um, <laughs> <laughs> band brands. Brandy bands? Yes. Brand, branded bands, brands, bands that brand us. They show us our identity and a little bit of who we are. Yes, they do. Yeah, they do. So uh, if you're uh, <clears throat> if you're joining us, which everybody is, because uh, we just hit record. This is uh, this is Chris and Mike, and uh, we still uh, don't have a name for our podcast, do we, Mike? <clears throat> no, not yet. We're still working on it. If you guys have any ideas, let us know. Thinking something around branding in Arizona and building remarkable brands. Wait, we're going to let the audience help us to name it. We're going to crowdsource. We didn't source. talk about that. <laughs> well, it doesn't mean we have to take any uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to take this conversation offline. <laughs> and Mike and I are going to have to discuss this. And then we'll get back to you about whether we really want to hear from you or not. Let me get um, my gloves on. And the, <laughs> of course, we're joking. The truth is we'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah. Because uh, as a former co-creation brand manager, yeah. I'm very interested in crowdsourcing ideas. And, um, of course, Mike is, uh, is Remarka about remarkable brands. Um, and so we're going to talk, uh, once again today about, um, just, uh, just the continued topic about helping high, um, helping Arizona brands. Uh, first of all, branding Arizona, what does it mean? Right. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, having, um, helping brands take the high ground, because I know that as we explore these Arizona brands doing the right things for the right reasons, that the brand of Arizona is going to present itself because it always works that way. Come out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it always works that way. So, but today we're going to, last time we talked about kind of higher level topics, but I think today we're going to talk about, as promised, we're going to talk about uh, personas, which is really more um, execution, right? Mm -hmm. Because we want to give people both the how and the why, yep. right? I mean, I yep. think that's kind of where we're going with this, yep. even though we don't have a name yet. So, <laughs> so let's, let's get, uh, let's get started. Um, so first of all, what is a brand persona? Mike, get us started. Yeah. What do you think a brand persona is and, and why we need one? So yeah, I use this analogy a lot of target practice, right? Hmm. So if you're if you're shooting, um, and every brand is shooting, right? You're kind of you're shooting for a specific objective, or you're shooting for a specific goal, and a lot of times that also intersects with your audience, mm -hmm. right? And there's a lot of brands that I work with or, or know of. They take a very shotgun approach to their audience, right? They kind of just load up the shotgun, throw in the shot, kind of get it roughly out in front of them and hope that in hitting, you know, shooting it and that shot goes everywhere, right? That's the whole point of a shotgun. It's going to spread. And you're going to you're gonna hit something, hopefully. The challenge is that, well, I mean, that, those shots are really small, right? They don't have a whole lot of impact. And unless you're still pretty close to, like, center of, of, of mass, like, probably not going to take down whatever it is you're shooting for. Unless you're shooting for, like, pigeon. And what if, wait, so so that's interesting. So what if, um, would it be fair to say that the shot or the lead from any any any, any gun is uh, cash, cash money? Cash money, and and, and it's, it's loading in the cash money that presents a, a communication, right? Because okay. the means of getting it there is communication. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, and presenting your brand to people. 
right? Okay. And then ultimately they respond through transaction, right? They respond to that either uh, taking the next step in the in the customer journey or eventually hopefully you know they become a customer. Mm-hmm. That's the end goal. Um, and a lot of brands are actually shooting not with shotguns. They take a shotgun approach, but they're shooting with rifles or they're shooting with handguns. Okay. And so there's got one bullet, right? One bullet at a time that they can pull the trigger on. Mm. And if you don't know where you're supposed to aim, and you're not dialed in to how to how to aim center of that target as, as close as you can get it, um, the likelihood of hitting the target is pretty low, mm. right? Yep. Um, and there's a you know there's there's all sorts of process involved. You're familiar shooting guns or shooting arrows or whatever target practice that you want to relate to. Um, you know you got to aim it. You got to know like how does the bullet fly? What's the wind like? Where's the target? How far is it? What does it look like? You got to know those things. Like what does the center look like? What is the outside? How do I define mm-hmm. that target? And personas are a tool that helps you identify the target for your audience. So instead of saying well, our product is for everyone, right? That's where kind of everyone starts, right? Yeah, totally. Anyone yeah. and everyone, everyone should want our product. Well, that's awesome. That might be true. Yeah. But when you're loading up your campaign or you're loading up your, your strategy, you kind of have to have somebody in mind, right? Yeah. And this goes back to my direct mail days when I did a lot of direct mail campaigns where it was like, look, even if you're buying a list of you know 10,000 people and you're, you're putting some parameters on that list, let's say you do – Income and, and gender and uh, geo you know geolocation right right so you got some parameters you kind of narrow down you got ten thousand people on that list that you're going to send this piece to mm-hmm. and you can relate this to advertising and online obviously you're still going to pick some demographics and interests some keywords if you want to talk about advertising you know above the line whether it's like you know radio TV print billboards whatever. At some point, you have to pick, where am I going to put this? Mm-hmm. Where am I going to invest my money? And you can either take a scattershot approach and try to hit everyone at once, which means you're going to really spread your dollars out, and the effectiveness mm-hmm. of each dollar goes way down. Yep. Or you can get really focused, right? Mm-hmm. And you can say, when I, del- when I deliver this communication in whatever means that is best for this audience, I know where to deliver it, I know when to deliver it, and I know the message that's going to most resonate with that particular focused um, audience segment. Mm-hmm. And one way to get to that focus is through a persona. So identifying maybe a uh, an example person, not a real person, but maybe a, a, a template right. for that segment within your audience that represents a focused part of your audience. Not the whole audience, right. but a focus of it. And in direct mail, the, the adage was always, if you aim for one, you'll hit some, right? Yeah. So if you if you are so dialed in with that piece of content that you're going to deliver to people, <clears throat> whether that's a direct mail piece, whether that's a blog post, whether that's even like a tweet, if that's a you know an ad that goes out digital or if it goes out on TV, if you are so dialed in to who you are trying to talk to, mm-hmm. the great thing is you'll hit more than one person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? So even though you're dialing, you're aiming for one, you're going to hit some. And what's great is that because you've so dialed in everything to that one template person, it's going to really resonate with those people. Yep. Like they're going to be like, yes, I want whatever it is you're asking for. <laughs> because you, you've met me at my point of need. Right. You have 
You have talked to me in a way I understand and that, I, that resonates with me. You've delivered at the right time and place for me and where I'm at. And you're asking for something that is so right to yeah. solve my problem. Yeah. Right? Um, and that's when marketing works great. Right? Yeah. That's, like, that's like what everyone wants marketing to do. Because a lot of times we don't aim and we just kind of scatter our shot everywhere. And we hit a whole bunch of people at the wrong, at the wrong time in the wrong place with the wrong message. And what is the, what is their response? Their response is, man, marketing is kind of sucky. I hate this experience. Yeah, we right? hate marketing. Oh, we hate marketing. Marketing is stupid. No, no, wait, what's that old phrase? It's like, it's like half your marketing is not working. You just can't tell which half, right? And that, that used to be the... Yeah, yeah. And, and that half that's not working is pissing people off, right? <laughs> so it's actually working against you. Right. It's making people go, ugh. What, why are you in my inbox? Right. Why are you in my Facebook feed? Yeah. Why are you on the billboard? Right. Why are you in, in my ad roll before I watch my YouTube video? Right. You know? Right. Like, you, you got nothing to do with me. So why are you here? Get out! Yeah. Right? That's what the consumer is saying. And so when we dial in and we really know exactly who we're trying to target, we're going to create an experience that makes them go, Yeah! I actually kind of want to watch this ad before I watch my five-minute YouTube video. Yeah. And I actually might actually want to click on something after that or bookmark it or come back later or, or you know, research it later. Like, yeah, okay, it's great to get the call, you know, right then and there. But sometimes even then the context isn't right. But at least you're going, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm ready to keep the conversation going. Right. All right. So at a very high level, that's what personas are. So Chris back at you, uh, what does it look like when personas go wrong or when you think them up? Yeah, when it goes wrong, yes. So, so, um, and, and, and to start to answer that question, because I think you got us off to a great start, yeah. the, um, what it looks like when it goes wrong is you waste money, oh, yeah. you, spend, you spend extra money, you're, um, but not only that, so, so Mike, I didn't really say this before, but, but you're, you are very well situated on, ex executing brands and so my, my particular passion I followed that all the way up to what happens inside the brand you know like what's the um, what happens inside the brand to create a good handoff and good brand leadership discipline mm -hmm. in order for people to use a company like you and make the most out of that relationship yep. right and so how do they shop how do they um, you know and so and, and, and what do they have to believe on the inside what do they have to expect and then how do they push you to be honest, right? Yep. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, you're gonna challenge. You're gonna challenge my brands. My brands are gonna challenge you. Yeah, you hopefully. Know, and, and you guys are together are gonna create that awesome tension. Create the best creative work possible. Part of that is a persona. So, if we're looking at, um, uh, I, I want to say something. Um, all right. So, so yes. So, what it looks like when it goes bad. Uh, people waste money. Yep. Um, and this is where I was getting at the the, the creatives, uh, the creative work suffers, yes, right? It does. And you kind of you kind of touched on that. It was implied in what you said. But I want to develop that a little more because yep. I was a copywriter yeah. a long time ago. And being a copywriter made me say, wow, people would say when I was a young copywriter, oh, you know, clever work and everything. But I did not know how to sell. My calls to action, I'm like, calls to action? Wow, that that's so like, you know, call to action because I was a super young copywriter. Yeah. You know? And um, But then I realized, oh, no, we need a call to action. Um, and they're like, oh, well, you know, you, you, need, uh, you need to know the audience. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. No, that makes perfect sense. I'm strategic, just innately, you know, so I'm like, yeah, okay, so, all right, so account executives, who's the audience? What do they care about? In other words, what are we selling? Who's it for? Why does it matter, yep. right? 
And they're like, um, I'm like, wait a second, you guys were just challenging me to be better at this, and you can't even answer these basic questions, you know? So I became a strategist because I wanted to start answering those questions. Um, but then I started realizing that brands don't even know a lot of times, you know? And so I start, and so I'm like, okay, now we need to figure out how to help brands answer that question internally because it's going to be really odd if the leadership says, oh, we're about all this great stuff, and they hire an agency to say all this great stuff, but they don't do any of it inside. So I'm super interested in helping yep. that alignment make sense. And so that brings me to the spot of um, not only are you dissipating internally, it's, so externally, not only are you dissipating your uh, effective fire, right? It's ineffective fire. Right? Yep. If you're using a shotgun to hit something that's beyond, um, you know, uh, depends on, I, I actually have a shotgun. shotgun but yeah. I actually have a shotgun <laughs> that can shoot pretty, it's like a duck sniper. It's like 30-inch barrel, full yeah. shoot, useless unless you're shooting like a duck. Yeah. Anyway, but um, but you know that aside, um, you know you, you there there's certain uses for a rifle and there's certain uses for a shotgun. A shotgun to be very ineffective. It's going to be very ineffective at a long distance. And so you may you may be spending money and not getting not getting anything. You know, as a result, and you, you just you may have sales that just kind of happen in, but despite your advertising. The other thing is morale. And that's the real part I want to talk about. Morale, morale makes great copy. It makes great creative. Good morale creates great creative yep. because it focuses you. And the um, and so if you have a good if you have good leadership in your brand and then you're able to uh, inspire people, you inspire internally. You know, internally you inspire your people to you inspire operations. You know, your operations people will be inspired to do things a certain way. And when they see you believing in it and they see you backing it up, then they're going to start getting courage to make that same promise and you're going to see that promise become convincing to people on the outside and then with communication the same exact same thing happens you know it's just and so now you're able to use your internal uh marketing people more effectively because they're going to have the why not just the money goal you know which commoditizes the business they're going to have the why which brands the business and creates value and margin right and then those people are going to be able to translate that now, marketing person is going to be able to translate that to you, Mike, and say, "Hey, Mike, here's what we're really about." Yep. And then you're gonna you're gonna then have a higher place from which to challenge them to be better. So they're gonna start off at a much better place yep. uh, to work with you to use everything you can provide for them, and then also to um, for for them to be able to challenge you as well. You know, yep. and get the most out of that relationship. And so what it, what it looks like when it goes wrong, though, you know, is just man, people lack morale. They yep. lack courage. They don't know if you if you if you're really about the things that you say, um, maybe they don't know what you're about. It's like, oh, by default, they're just going to say, okay, well, let's cut cut expenses, which is a horrible way to build a business. You don't build a business by cutting expenses. You know, It could be an opportunity. It could be streamlining things, but that's not how you build a business. Yeah. And so <clears throat> and so you, you, you lack the ability to build, you lack the ability to lead, and then you lack the ability to target, just like you said. Yeah, yeah and there's... Just to tack on to that, there's an yeah. in, there's a there's an efficiency cost to not identifying the focal points within your audience, right? Mm-hmm. So if if I'm developing like as the agency, let's say we're developing a campaign for a client um, mm-hmm. to reach their audience, right? And none of us have sat down and really defined the audience. Maybe we have some like basic demographic data, and it's like you know we're looking to reach 18 to 45 year olds and roughly in this geographic area and okay there's some like some basic things about their audience but then when we start really starting to create for it like the messaging the look um even the the 
where are we going to deliver this? Yeah. There's not going to be an argument because someone in that group is going to be like, well, we really want this to target the younger end of that group. You know, maybe they take a, an age preference on the, on the objective. Right. Or someone else is like, no, we really want to target the 40-year-old, right? And now all of a sudden, like, there's there's competing voices for what the objective is. Right. And we've got multiple targets out in front of us that we've only got one bullet to shoot at. Mm, yep, right? Yep. And so all of a sudden, we're going to go through rounds and rounds of, of decision-making and political infighting in this worst-case scenario. Right. Scenario. Sure. Um, and probably rounds and rounds of revisions. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to fire, right? We're going to shoot. We're going to execute. We're going to hit go. And someone is going to be is going to be not happy because we aimed somewhere that they thought we shouldn't be aiming. Yeah. Right. Okay. And even within our own team, personas create a framework through which we can assess the quality of the communication, right? Yeah. So, I mean, just a great example. The other day I had um, our client services director who's writing a blog post for our blog. Great blog post. I loved it. I thought it was like a great piece for us to be putting out there about, about how to develop leadership within your marketing team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had written it kind of broad. It was, it was a little unfocused. I wasn't quite sure who he was writing to. Mm-hmm. And so having a persona allows me to go, hey, um, so our persona for this post is a marketing director at this size company who's facing these kinds of challenges in their everyday work. I don't think you need to rewrite this. I don't think this is a bad post. We just need to tailor it a little bit more, mm-hmm. right? So that it has the most impact for that particular kind of person. Right. And and that produces this, like, it just takes that whole post to a whole other level, right? Mm-hmm. It becomes more impactful when someone reads it who fits that. Yeah. It, it solves a more direct problem for them. Rather yeah. than trying to kind of solve everyone's problems, Yeah. we solve one problem at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also becomes something that, like, they go, because I know other people in that same boat. Yes. And this right. is something valuable that I just learned from, and I want other people to learn from it too. Yeah. You know. But if you kind of shoot for everybody, <laughs> nobody wants to share that, right? Yeah. That's like the that's like the just you know it's kind of the garbage post that like gets you some SEO leads, but really it's like nobody wants to share that because it's too general. Yeah, and it might have a great title like six ways you can do this or whatever, and then you read it and you're like, oh yeah, kind of. I can't read like, Yeah. 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 You yeah, know, not like, very like interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not profound. It's not producing value. So anyway, I kind of got us a little off that question. But. No, that, that that's great because I think that um, I think that, uh, that what you're talking about is is separating the process into its proper steps. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because one of the things that you do when you actually take a creative brief and say this is a thing and it's a step in the process, what that does is it's the decision that the research results in. Yep. So that that represents the research. The creative brief. And um, the creative brief persona, um, sometimes you use it interchangeably. The point is that you have the persona you've agreed on, and now you can test the creative better, which is what you just said. And that's crucial for um, marketing executives. Yep. Any, any, you know, anybody who's looking at and, and, and holding creativity accountable, it's crucial that they be able to have that there and so that they don't have to provide value by saying things that um, – because I know for a fact, because I've dealt with this a lot before too, where – you know, you have an, a, an executive, and they're trying to they're trying to offer value, yep. and uh, but they're missing the point. They're not getting it, um, and it feels it feels to me like like what they're doing is trying to put their mark on something. When in reality, they're just trying to make sure that they're offering something they just don't know how yet, yep. right? 
And so that, that, that persona nails that down and says, okay, well, if you're really talking to these people and you know, we've done this research, so we know it's right. And so now if there's a problem with the creative, we know whether it's the brief yep. or the persona or, or it's the, the creative, creative itself, you know, yep. or the so, delivery or something, you know, some other tactical piece within that campaign. Right, right. And then, but, but what happens when you don't have those steps, um, um, broken out is that it's just this one jumble and you can't locate the problem. And so you can't really fix the problem. It's just everybody's guess. Yeah. Just like you were saying, you know, everybody's just like, Oh, I guess it goes this way. Or, oh, I think it should go this way. Nobody knows why. Yep. But if you separate out the process in this proper steps and have a persona, now you can start figuring out why, yep. why there's something. So, so let's, um, so now that we've talked about that, uh, Mike, what do you think about talking about, uh, the process itself real quick here? So, what do you think? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's the process? So, well, well, um, I'm going to throw it back to you. So, so I'm at, well, actually, no, I'll just, I'll just tell you. Um, so it, I, I think first of all is inventory and, uh, I'm going to say inventory and not research. Yep. And, um, and the reason I say that is because I wasn't, you know, in, 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 you know, way back in college, right. We, we all, we all heard that like, First thing you do is find out everything you can about a topic, right? And so we're all like, all right, cool. So I guess I'm just going to go research, right? Yeah. For some reason, right? And I, I know that magically out of research, I'm just going to have, have a question yet. Yeah, I don't have a question yet. I I'm just going to do research, right? right? I just am going to intake. You stole my thing. Oh, that's I'm sorry. Great. No, that's perfect. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad because it came up organically. <laughs> so, um, so uh, inventory and our research, essentially what that what that means is, first of all, it's like you have, just like you said, it's a working hypothesis where you say, wait a second, what do I think is going on, right? And so you might, what you might do is get together with uh, whoever is in that responsibility group, you know, that task group or whatever, marketing director, brand manager, you know, whatever, that, that little group together and just say, hey, let's, um, let's have a meeting. But before we come to that meeting, let's um, come with our uh, working hypothesis. What do we think people need to hear about this product or about our service? Mm -hmm. And you come to that to that meeting, and then you start thinking about when you go to the meeting, then you do kind of a, a kind of a why. You know, why do we think this? And then break that down. And and sometimes it can be a um, you know you can start out with a SWOT analysis that is focused on the product, where you say what what is the product's SWOT analysis? You know, how do we how do how do we categorize that inventory that? And then, uh, but what you do is you come out with um, a, you know, you come in with working hypotheses, come out with a unified working hypothesis, and then you go out. Then and only then do you go out and start researching because then you have questions. Yep. Wait, I skipped a step. <laughs> you have a working hypothesis, and then you write down some questions, and then yeah. you go out with the responsibility for those questions, each one of you, and then you come back to the next meeting and say, here are the answers to these questions, and, and therefore I'm adjusting the working hypothesis. I suggest we adjust it in this way. And now you've taken a pass at it and you haven't even done, you know, the first part is just take inventory of what you know. And then this, and then question it and then go out and research it. Verify come back. it or tweak it because you found some data that, that disproves it or proves yeah. it, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I think you have to start with those assumptions, right? Because we all have them. And I think every business leader knows something about their audience. Like, Hopefully, if you've been doing it for some amount of time, startups a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you've got an existing business, you should you should have some ideas around who your customers are, mm -hmm. what they like and don't like, what the problems are that they're facing, and how that relates back to your product or service. Um, 
And but you're probably largely right. And you're probably largely about right. About a lot of this and stuff. And so you, but you right. say, you kind of have to take stock of that and go, we've never written, like, a lot of, a lot of businesses we work with, especially small to medium size, they've never written it down, right? Right. So it's kind of just in a bunch of people's heads. And some people know a little bit more about this side of the audience, and some people know this. Some people have this experience with customers. And everybody assumes everybody else agrees with them. Exactly. And they don't know the amount of disagreement. Exactly. And so you get them all like all together on one piece of paper or on one whiteboard, yep. and you kind of go, here's the inventory. I love that. I love that word. I love, I love inventory. It's like, mm. here's, here's the collective inventory of knowledge about our audience. Right. Let's start to segment this, right? Because nine times out of ten, your business does not target one specific kind of person. Yeah. Right? right. There's probably a couple different or, you know, two, maybe five, maybe more. I mean, if you're a really big business, I mean, if we go back to like last podcast, we talked about Volkswagen. If you go back to Volkswagen, like they're, they're targeting like billions of people in multiple countries yeah. with the same products. They sure are. Like, yeah. whoa, talk about audience personas. Right. Um, you got you got to start breaking that down, right? That's just too much information to collectively use, and so start segmenting it. But then verify those segments, right? Yeah. Are the problems that you think that that segment has really the problems that they have? Right. And that can be, you know, I love research. Mm -hmm. I'm a big proponent of it. And whenever clients can do it, I say do it, right? And you talk about primary research, class, yes. paid for yes. research. That and, they, you know, there's different levels, right? Yeah. Some of that's maybe you can just go to your sales team and verify yeah. some of the assumptions that you as executives are making, right? Because a lot of times if you're separated from the day-to-day -day customer interaction, you might make some assumptions about what the real problems are that your sales team probably knows really, really well. Customer service. Yes. Frontline employees, clerks. Yes. Salesforce. Uh, like, yeah. yeah. So use your internal team, mm -hmm. right? You could take that a step further. You could go directly to your customers and ask them, right? Mm, yeah. So do customer surveys. Um, I love doing a process of actually interviewing. So we're getting yep. some more quantitative data through the survey and then validating that with some qualitative stories with one-on-one -on -one interviews with customers. Um, and a lot of times it's really interesting. You bring a third party into that. Well, sales pitch. <laughs> bring a third party into that, like Resound or Chris or someone else to do those interviews for you. And you'll find that Sometimes that's really helpful to get customers or clients, if you're in service-based business, to open up a little bit more. I yeah. think sometimes when it's someone in the business, like if their account manager or their customer service rep talks to them directly and starts asking them some, some tough questions about their experience with the brand or with the product, they might not give you the full truth. Because, yeah. you know, they're, they're, there's a relationship there. Yeah. And you it know, can't be objective. Which yeah, and so bringing in a third party <clears throat> might help to to kind of allow for a little bit more truth and honesty to come from the customer. Um, Absolutely. And maybe expose some things that maybe you know they wouldn't expose to you if they were talking directly to the brand. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes people are some people are going to tell you, boom, like I love this, I hate that, right? But there's other people who like to kind of keep the waters calm in all yeah. their relationships. Right. In fact, I I would guarantee, I wouldn't guarantee, I would bet that the majority of customers of most businesses are in that boat. Yeah. So they do have good experiences and they have bad experiences with the brand and with the products and services, but they're not going to like be the first ones to raise their hand and tell you about it. Yeah. And even if you ask, they may not give you the full truth because they're like, well, I don't know. 
it's not that big a deal. Yeah, what if this turns into an argument? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get yeah. down that road. Right. But when it's like, hey, you know, this is a partner. We're partnering with the brand. We want to ask you some questions. Yeah. We will not be sharing these directly with, you know, we won't share your name or anything right. like yeah. that. Yeah. Then they're like, oh, okay, so I can be really open and honest about my experience and what it's been and, and yeah. how, I, how I perceive the brand, how I perceive the products and services. So. Yeah, and in my case, when I do interviews, I don't remember names very well, so yeah. it's like anonymity is implied. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, customer. Yeah, I'm just yeah. bad at remembering names, so yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Super bad, so, so. Your, 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 uh, secrecy is safe. So, um, so then, well, you, you kind of touched on the next thing too, which yeah. is, um, you know, uh, uh, I think you, uh, prioritizing, you know, multiple personas, you know, I mean, you mentioned that there are a lot of potential yeah. personas. How do you, how do you deal with all those personas when you have one bullet? Yep. You know, like you said. Yeah. Well, and I think that comes back to goals, right? So if you've outlined what your key objectives are, hopefully not only from a long-term perspective for the brand, but also in a short term, like this specific engagement or this specific campaign, right. you have particular goals and kind of looking at like, what is the low hanging fruit of my, of our personas, right? Mm -hmm. Cause there's going to be personas where you're like, man, we know that one. Yeah. We know it inside and out. Start there, mm -hmm. right? Start with the, the audience segments that you really feel comfortable with. I know with like on the startup side, a lot of times when I'm working with startups, I'll recommend, um, starting with segments you have personal connections with. Mm. So like we're working with um, a startup right now who is in this boat of trying to decide when we, they haven't launched their product yet. But when they launch it, where are they going to focus their energy for the first three months in trying to gain users and then customers? And the founder has a very connected network with the military. He's, mm. he's ex-military. And his product fits really well with with uh, the military uh, um, the military segment, and so it's like yeah maybe you don't want your product becoming military products like developing it all around that, but that at least gives you a priority from day one because it's like you have the connections right mm -hmm. you have the channels you've got um, evangelists that you can reach out to you have advocates that you can develop. From get from day one, just because your personal network is there, and I think a lot of small businesses that's a great place to start. It's just like who do you know? Yeah. Um, let's start with like the segments that make sense for who you know and who you have connections with, and then you can work out of that right over time. Um, other times it's going to be you know like well let's talk about you know your product or service. Maybe it has a really good fit for a particular audience segment. Start there. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, I'm, all, I'm a huge fan of iterative work, right? Mm. An iterative yeah. process. Totally. Start small, start minimum viable uh, whenever possible and work outwards from that. So like even like with audience personas, it's like, hey, your audience might be massive and you come out of like developing personas and you realize like, oh man, we're going to have like 10 or 20 by the time we're done with this process. Yeah. Start with two. You don't have to have them all on day one. Yeah. You know, start with the two that you feel mm -hmm. the most comfortable with that already fit your communication mm -hmm. models and marketing plan that you put in place for the next year. Well, the nice thing about qualitative research is that you talk to the first person yep. and your discussion guide changes. Yep. You don't have, it's not like quantitative research where you have to, you can't change anything, you know, yeah. because once you operationalize it, like all the work is done at the front end, right? But with qualitative research, the work is done at the back end. Yep. You know, you start asking questions, get in those conversations. 
and you start finding out things and if you do it well you know and you keep it open open enough right then uh then you're actually changing the discussion guide for the next time so you learn sometimes you learn uh you learn um uh, a large percentage of your insights are from the first couple of interviews and then the rest of them are just kind of seeing if there's um what they call saturation right yep. and, and a research term it's like um meaning that you just you're just seeing that happen more and more and then people are developing and giving you their point of view on it and you're seeing that wow people are passionate about this thing that nobody even thought to ask right yeah. which is which is amazing so you can start super simply with that yep. you know if you can just open up the questions and not ask like oh how can we serve you better you know, <laughs> like but because those questions tend to be too focused and close their imagination. And then, so immediately gets them thinking, Oh, who are you? Oh, um, okay. Cheaper hamburgers, uh, hotter hamburgers, you know, basically just iterating on the okay. service that you provide. What you're asking them to do though, really is not iterate, but tell you things that you didn't even know to ask. And so you have to open up that question and say, well, tell me about, you know, your day, tell yep. me about your week. Tell me about, um, you know, uh, who was it? John, uh, John, he was with Goodby. He wrote, um, he, uh, he wrote the, the guy, he was on the God Milk campaign. John, yeah, freaking, what's his, his name? Last name? Anyway, um, yeah, at Goodby in San Francisco. And, um, he was talking about just that whole, like, um, you know, how they did the God Milk, um, campaign. What was, what was that book he wrote? I read, it's a great research book and it talks about all, it talks all about this kind of thing. But, um, uh, Okay, so anyway, uh, John, our buddy John, close personal friend of mine, <laughs> as are all these guys. I feel like I know him though, so it's kind of fair. So anyway, um, and uh, and so you know the idea is they didn't they didn't do these focus groups. Um, they, they did focus groups. John Steele. John Steele, thank you. There we go. Yeah, you're brilliant. Um, <laughs> just my homework. So, <laughs> just do my research, man. <laughs> just came to you. Google is awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so anyway, um, you know, so it's just it's this mix of of, um, of research techniques. IDEO is another good one. They, yeah. they do a lot of observation, yeah. right? And so, but it's a lot of these things that teach you things that you didn't even understand that you needed to ask, and then it changes how you approach the market. It changes yeah. your products, and um, in many cases, just completely revolutionizes you know, the industry and you look super innovative and like super forward looking when in reality, all you did was just, you know, you you're just like, you listened. <laughs> all you did was listen. listen. You said, Hey, like, like, uh, Watch Hey customer. Listen. Hey, Hey customer. Let's talk for a little bit. Yeah. Let's just talk, you know, let's just talk about your day, your life, your whatever, you know? And, 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 and I know that we'll get to that cool stuff, but let's just talk about your life, you know? And so, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of interviews. One-on-one oh, interviews. I love them. They produce so much value for our process in finding what really is the truth of the brand and what the context of the customer is like coming from. Yeah. Um, and it. I, I mean, it's just it. And I'm a story guy, right? Like I love great stories, and that's I think a lot of what we look to achieve with our work is creating great stories for brands. But every customer is, is a story, yeah, right? And so when you sit down and you actually talk to them one-on-one, either face-to-face or on the phone, um, or you know, however you can do it, you learn so much from their emotional experience with the brand or even just the context of their day-to-day life. I love that. You know, asking them, like, what does your day look like? Tell me about a typical day. Tell me about a typical week. Like don't even, let's not even ask about the product or service yet. Right. But you don't but want to bias them too much. Find find the context from which they're coming from. Yes. 
right? Because yeah. the context provides this wealth of inspiration for how you can better communicate or even change your product and service right. to meet your customers' core problems. Mm. And that's something like we always really come back to with personas is it's not about demographics. It's not about uh, even really personality for the audience persona or the buyer persona. It's about what are the core problems and aspirations mm. because that is what will create a unique group of people that can cross through cultural boundaries that can cross through age and gender and, and demographic data because I think demographic data can can put some false buckets in place mm. yeah just because you know you, you you can find people who are like the 18 year old and the 45 year old who want this to solve the same problem right right and so now we're not saying that so demographics are important. They're really they're, important. They're, they're the language of media, yes. right? And so, yes. so demographics are important. What you're saying is they're once again they're not they're not they're sufficient. Not the they're, they're not this. Yeah. They're they're, they're almost kind of like you know here's the here's where we buy the media and, and we kind of understand people this way. But in order to get to that thing that transcends age, yeah. um, you're getting to a problem that 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 the, the fundamental problem that you're solving. Whereas people depend too much on demographics to say, oh, they like this, you yeah. know, oh, oh, housewives, they like this, you know, it's like it, it dumbs down the advertising message you know, immensely, right? Yeah. And so to be able to kind of, you know, get to that problem and then what does this problem mean to the person yeah. is an amazing use of research. Now, um, the reason I threw out that whole interviews is, is because interview as opposed to a focus group is, is what I'm thinking. And, and there, there are advantages to focus groups. Um, there are advantages to interviews. Uh, the interviews, uh, focus groups tend to be, you know, led by a lot of the loudest voice. Yeah. I mean, there, there are all kinds of problems, you know, confirmation bias. There could be a lot of, a lot of problems with focus groups. Um, if you want to know more though, I think if you're thinking about your customers and you want to know more about how to understand them better, um, I think you should talk to Mike. <laughs> and if you want to know about your employees and your um, internal yeah. staff and alignment, um, then talk to me about that. Yeah. But, um, so, so, so much for research, um, prioritizing uh, audiences. Um, so you started talking about that. Um, could, could we summarize that up real quick and just talk about how you prioritize? Yeah. So low hanging fruit, people you already understand and know, yes. right? So the stuff that requires a little less research, still want to verify it through research. Right. Um, but maybe you've got, a, you know, like, Hey, we're, we're 90% sure this is right. Let's just verify it. Awesome. And then you can work into the, the, the groups that you're like, wow, we're like, we don't really know this one. We've never really worked with them. We don't have customers in this boat. Yes. Um, that's going to be a lot more research right? Um, to verify your hypothesis of what their real problems are. Right. So those may be further down your list of priorities. Totally. And then I would just add that um, add that, that understanding which ones, of course, you know, match your brand values yes. and, and will love you for, um, for what you're promising, what you know you can provide. And so those people are going to be your core and yes. those people are going to share a lot of word of mouth and stuff like yeah. that. So you're going to get a lot more from that. So I would combine those two. I would combine I that with, um, with the, the tactical who you know yep. and who you already have. And, uh, and then, uh, and that, that, and then, and now you have your persona number one, right? Yep. So now you have your list. You take okay. persona. Can I add yes, one more? Please add. Yes. Who are you passionate about? Oh. And that might, that might overlap with like who you already know. Yeah. But like if you've got a group of people that you're really passionate about serving with your product or your services, man, start there. Like yeah. that passion will take you so far. 
uh, with that group in a way that if you're not passionate about that group, you'll have to fight a lot harder um, to keep centered, to keep focused with them. And it's interesting because I think a lot of businesses are scared because they're like, well, that's that's kind of irresponsible. Like, I know, you know, I want to do that, but don't I have to do this to make money? Don't I have to just go after the opportunistic, you know, yeah. customer to make money? But, you know, I, I feel like I feel like the brands that are leading, you know, are the ones who are like, look, I'm going to let me ignore the competition for a minute. Let me ignore the customers for a minute and find out what I'm passionate about. Almost like waking up in the morning and doing that. Yeah. And then going into the going into the day, just almost like every day, just kind of remembering. It's like I don't know if you put it up on a wall or something like that. You know, um, this is why we're here. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is why we're here. These are the people we care about. These are the things that we're gonna do for them to think about that for a minute. Almost like a little like business devotional time. You know? like, <laughs> I love that. You know, what is my, uh, you know, and then just kind of like make um, just just recreate your philosophy. A lot. Take five minutes and recreate your philosophy you know, about who you are and what you're doing, why it's so rad. And then, and then go out and then talk to people because then I think you're going to have that swagger. You know, if you remember what you're about, you're going to have that swagger and people are, you're going to walk in the office and people are going to be like, all right, cool. I get it. You know, I want to be on that train. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I want to be on that train. I'm going to ride that train. Totally. So, um, so Chris, yes. Yeah. The next step, next building step. the persona, how do you build the first one? Build, uh, build persona number one. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to add just a little detail to this and just say that, um, not much detail, but let's start simply, let's say you want to, you want to think about, uh, not just demographics, like we said, but this thing called psychographics, right? Which is kind of like digging a little more into who this audience is, how they typically think, you know? And so there's a lot of secondary research out there that you can go out and find, you know, like, oh, millennials are this, right? But it's going to be way oversimplified, yeah. but it might get you started. Yeah. And so you have demographics, you have psychographics, what this group is thinking about, and then you have behaviors of your actually yeah. actual audience, right? And so those things are even before your meet Maria or your like, you know, the, the person, yeah. yeah, the portrait of the person. So um, demographics, the language of media buying. Um, psychographics, how this audience thinks, the whole segment, and then um, and then beliefs and values. You know those, um, and that's your third section is like beliefs and values, like what they need, how they think about things, and um, and then uh, and, and and that's just about the audience that you're talking to. So that narrows it down further, kind of like in a funnel funnel shape, and then after that, <clears throat> you just have um, you you write up your typical audience member and. How you do that, um, and I want to ask you how to how you guys yeah. do that too because I don't know. But um, how I would how I would uh, uh, so so I, I I treat it like given what we know about a few of these people, how do you cobble that together, yeah. you know, into a picture? And so let me let me give you an example. Um, my friend Mike is a uh, avid, I'm gonna make make stuff up. Yeah, right go before. for it. Okay, so um, he's an avid mountain bike rider Ooh. in Arizona. And um, he uh, he has a dog named uh, uh, Trailhead, <laughs> and uh, sometimes the first sometimes his first name changes depending on the dog's behavior. Uh, sometimes he um, you know poops on the carpet and you call him something else. Head, and um, so he so he ends up uh, taking this dog Trailhead on the trail with him. The dog can keep up, and uh, and he takes a, he uses a Camelback um, you know uh, water water system. And he takes his camera with him because uh, he doesn't like how his uh, his phone doesn't you know capture uh, <clears throat> you know the the scenery quite as well and and he likes um, panoramic pan panoramic views 
with him and his dog on the mountain bike, and he loves sharing this stuff. And so that is a uh, just very off the hip, right? Not a good one, but it's an example. This is how you talk about your persona. Yep. What you don't really do is you don't make up stuff that projects too much. You, you fill in the blanks, but you don't want to make up too much stuff. So if my typical audience member does not have a dog at all, I would not have a dog in that persona. You need to do just enough research to kind of get a couple of these people, watch how they, if you're meeting them at Starbucks to do an interview, you know, watch what they drive, you know, maybe ask them about it. You're going to gather a lot of this stuff during the interview process and believe me, you'll have plenty, but, um, <clears throat> but you're going to cobble those people together in a way that, that captures their commonalities and tells a story about them. And what that does um, in your, um, it's especially helpful in the copywriting process. Because yeah. as a copywriter, uh, and you can think about this too, if you've ever written a form email, like a form email, but you, you, you send it to like three or four of your, your friends, but you didn't want them to think you were sending it to three or four of your friends, you would write it up and be like, oh, I'm just going to copy and paste this. But once you got to the second one, you're like, oh, but I wouldn't quite talk to this guy like this. Yeah. I would talk to this guy slightly differently. Yeah. And you just edit a little bit. And we don't realize how much that matters, you know? And so what happens is when you have that persona, now the copywriter is doing that, and the copywriter is writing to, to that persona. And here's what happens. The copywriter becomes much more compassionate, much more convincing, much more conversational, yep. and ultimately much more relevant. And the same thing happens with design, although design is, is a little less testable. Yep. Um, copy is a lot more explicit and testable and, and, and um, maybe personal. But um, and so that's, that's what that meet Maria, that, that part where you're just the narrative of that of that of that audience. And so let me just recap. So you want to have the demographics, psychographics, the, um, the, the, the description of your audience, the two or three sentence description of your audience. And then you want to have them meet Maria or meet Carlos or whoever it is. You can call it whatever you want. That is basically Carlos is, and then you talk about his life as if you're one person, one real person. Yeah. I think we do something really similar to that. Um, it's kind of like setting up the persona. Sometimes we'll add a little bit more detail for the brand, for those using it internally to kind of answer some of those questions. Well, how do I use this? So we'll, we'll identify key problems or con contextual issues that that persona is experiencing that are related to the product or service. Right. And then we say, okay, how should this brand use this information to speak to this person? Yeah. Um, Sometimes we'll also throw on, and this depends a little bit on the brand and their audience, um, we might develop each persona around a specific decision-making uh, process. So like each of us has kind of a natural decision-making process. Either right. we're highly competitive, and so we're, we'll, we'll want to intake a lot of information quickly and make a very data-informed decision. Or some people are more humanist in their decision-making process. They want to feel good, and they're going to take their time as they intake information or maybe they're like a fast emotional person who wants to just get a quick snapshot, you know, read the bullet points, read the title, and then make a decision like immediately. Right. Um, and then you've got like the slow methodical decision maker who's going to read every single line and they're going to really take their time and they might come back to it multiple times. And, and so you want to design and you want to write for all of those, right? But one way to capture all of them with personality so that your writers and your designers can really tailor it well is make each of your personas carry one of those different four categories of decision making. Yeah. 
Um, and so, um, and you know, you might find actually in your research that a large majority of your um, customer base actually is one type of decision making, you know, type of decision making process. Right. You know, <clears throat> especially if you're B two B and you're selling to a particular job title, right. you might find actually that that particular job title kind of lends itself to a certain decision making process. Attracts that, yeah. yeah. Selects that, yeah. So, um, and, and and then especially when you're doing a content content marketing you yeah. can actually segment really well that yep. way whereas with um with like facebook ads you might not be able to quite do that you yes. know so like the mailing <laughs> list that then that's why a mailing list might be a good you know yep. content's a good part of your content strategy yep. so um so uh maybe we should blaze through these last couple what do you think Mike? yeah yeah we, we kind of need to wrap this up soon so so, yeah. so what's our next uh so so what do you do after you build persona number one all right so the next step is i mean you got to iterate right yeah. You got to test it, iterate it, um, and refine that persona. You can do that through research. So you could like do some follow-up research, um, or you can just start throwing it out there, right? And using it with your with your campaigns and with your content and seeing how people respond to it. So like a mailing list where you notice you start to be able to segment like uh like, oh, this group of people is clicking on this this uh, story in my mailer. Oh, and this group is clicking on this other story, which I've tagged or different, different persona, yeah. Different persona, and so now um, you, you start to see that happen a couple of times. You start realizing, oh, hey, look, we have a whole big group of people who are interested in this motivation. So let's start talking to them more, you know, kind of thing. And then, and then, uh, and then, Mike, what do you do after after you iterate um, and refine persona number one? Persona number two. Boom. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay, so um, so let's uh, so move on and do the same thing with persona number two. So let's recap real quick. Um, and so what 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 do we talk talk about today, Mike? We talked about um, you know, why build a persona. Yeah, talked about why we should build them, um, and how crucial they are for focusing and targeting your communication. Um, we talked about what does it look like when it goes wrong. Yeah, you talked so a bit about that. I talked a bit about that. Yeah, um, you you end up it just ends up being very wasteful mm-hmm. and undisciplined. And uh, nobody knows where you're going. Morale suffers, and it's not it's not pretty. Yeah. It ain't pretty. Um, what's the process, Mike? Yeah, so we've got an inventory first. Put out all the assumptions in, in one place. Yeah. Get them all out on the table. Gather your leadership team. Gather some key people who understand your customers and, and get all that stuff out there. And what yeah. do we not do at that point? Uh, we don't build the persona. We don't research. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I was looking for. We okay, don't. sorry. We, we don't research. Come on, man. Keep up. Keep up. Uh, we don't research. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, 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 Do the inventory and, first. Make the hypothesis. Then go confirm it with the research. Right, because you need your gut to lead you. You need your passion to lead you. And all that stuff's wrapped up in your feelings. So yep. do let it feel it out, man, yep. you know, uh, before you do your research. Um, and then uh, after that, um, prioritize uh, multiple personas. So you prioritize all the ones you've come up with, yep. right? Yep, maybe start with one that's like low-hanging fruit, right? Yep. The people you understand and know or something that you're really passionate about, mm-hmm. if it's them, um, start with you know that audience segment and that persona for that segment that really makes the most sense for you and your business and where you're at. And that's per- persona number one. That's persona number one. Awesome. Um, after we build persona number one, we iterate on that persona and we refine that persona using data, using research. Uh, we can provide more detail. Uh, another point, but um, but iterate and refine. Yep, persona, and then you move on to the next persona. Awesome. Do it all again. Do it all again. Uh, lather, rinse, and repeat. <laughs> uh, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. This has been Chris and Mike talking about the importance of brand personas for Arizona brands.
Yeah, and if you guys have questions or comments, uh, leave a comment on the blog. And if you want to talk to Chris or I directly, you can reach Chris at chris at chrisstadler.com. And you can reach me, Mike, at mike at Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next time.